Podcast on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You are listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is author Jennifer Churchill, and we're going to be talking about her brand new book for children called Movies Are Magic. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hi, so happy to be here, Tam. Great to have you on the show, finally. Jennifer and I met in 2018 at the Turner Classic Movies Film Festival. And the moment we met, we had an instant kinship. And we have stayed in touch through the last couple of years. And again, went down to Turner Classic Movies Film Festival again this year. And just had a great time together. And at the time we met, she was in the process of uh, writing her book, Movies Are Magic. And I'm so happy now that it's published to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Great, great. So let me just ask you, what was your inspiration for writing Movies Are Magic? Oh, wow. Well, I have loved classic movies since I was a little girl, uh, before Turner Classic Movies was even on the air, uh, before Google was invented. I always say my, my mom was Turner Classic Movies and Google rolled into one because she knew all the old movie stars and we would watch uh, public television on Sunday afternoons and she'd say, that's Cary Grant and that's Catherine Hepburn and tell me who everyone was and so I just I've loved those movies um, for years and years and then I was so excited when TCM came on the air and I, I don't work for TCM but um, the fact that they were showing these films without commercials and there was a place to watch these movies 24-7 uh, Robert Osborne was just part of my life in my living room every day introducing those movies and um, I realized you know that there wasn't something to introduce kids to the classic film world and you always hear kids say like oh I don't like those little black and white movies yes um, they're boring and um, so it was sort of in the back of my mind for a long time and then five years ago I had uh, my own little one so I have a five year old Weston and it just really struck me that I wished I had something to share with him to help introduce him to these movies and so I actually wrote the book and and ended up uh, putting him in the book as a character and he's absolutely adorable I mean, totally adorable. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, the book, you, you've, you've really done a lot of deep uh, d- discovery about the, the movies themselves. I mean, you did a lot of research. So how long did it take you to act? Because it's actually just wonderful history um, from beginning to end of how movies came into being, um, pretty much. So how long did it take you to do this research? Um, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a working mom, so it was something I worked on for years and years just in my free time. Um, and I, I kind of kept going back to um, wanting to tell the story from the beginning in, in, of course, a simple way that kids could grasp, but um, from the fact that humans are storytellers, um, from, you know, cave paintings to um, artwork to, you know, the invention of language and the printing press. Uh, so I had a lot more detail than what's in the current um, book that I had to uh, kind of tear down a little bit. Um, of course, I had a lot of people I shared the book with, and I worked closely with my illustrator, uh, Howell Edwards Creative in London, and um, went back and forth and kept saying, you know, what's the goal of the book? And the goal is to get kids excited about classic movies, and so... I had to take a little bit of that long history that I had in there. I had a lot of stuff about vaudeville and things like that. And so um, the book that's out now, just it mentions those things and tries to make that linear connection from just the 
beginnings of storytelling to their YouTube videos that kids hold in their hands and watch on smartphones these days and, and help them see that there's a, there is a linear connection from those um, beginnings to the invention of still frame photography to the invention of series photography and, um, you know, then silent film. And so I end the book in 1939 with the big blockbuster uh, Gone with the Wind and the other big blockbuster of 1939, The Wizard of Oz, that, you know, of course, had color. And just thought that was a kind of a natural stopping point. And I'm working on book number two. So. <laughs> ah, good for you. Good for you. Well, yes, the 1939 was the golden year for movies just I mean there were so many brilliant wonderful movies that were produced in 1939 so I think that was a good stopping point mm-hmm. because that was the introduction of color uh, yeah. certainly with the Wizard of Oz how has how Weston uh, responded to this book he was with you through the whole process of writing it and in he, and your son is absolutely adorable so how, how has he responded to this book and, and other children too yeah, well, he's, he's in preschool, so his preschool class and uh, he or my guinea pigs to see just, are they interested in this book? Do they want their, you know, they, they can't read yet, but can they, uh, are they interested if their parents read it to them? So, um, yeah, he's he has helped me sort of tear it down and, and simplify it a little bit where, you know, mommy wanted to put in this and this and make sure that kids know all these factoids and, you know, I, I could see him lose interest, <laughs> so I would kind of tear it down. Um, like I talk about what the phi phenomenon is and persistence of vision and really wanted this to maybe be a STEM type book that teachers might grasp onto, but I pulled, I pulled a lot of that kind of too scientific stuff out. Uh, I mentioned those things and have short um, definitions of what they are because that's what allow us to see film and, and see moving images and see it as a, as a story that's moving in front of our eyes, but it's you know, really just a trick trick of our eyes um, and our brains, but um, he just totally made my day last weekend. Uh, there's a little coffee shop in, uh, where I live in Sonoma, California, uh, Barking Dog Roasters, that's where I uh, wrote a lot of the book, <laughs> um, and um, we were sitting down there, and Mommy was doing a little bit of work, and he was working on a puzzle, and we were splitting our croissant, and all of a sudden he looked up, he said, Mom, do you have movies or magic out in the car? And I said, yeah, why? And he said, I'd like to read it while you're doing your work. Oh, just made my whole life. <laughs> so he actually asked. He asked yes. Yeah, that was all I needed to hear. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, that would be a wonderful mother-son uh, moment at that point in time. So that is really uh, a wonderful, wonderful story and a testimonial to the to the book for sure. How, now, again, you, you know, you you go through the beginning of the history. Just uh, talk a little bit about um, the very first story about the uh, horses' hooves. Do you want to share that story? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I, hopefully I say the right year. Um, so Edward Edward Moybridge, a lot of a lot of people know who that is. Um, it was in the late eighteen hundreds. I won't say the year, so I don't say the wrong year. Um, I think it was eighteen ninety seven, maybe. Um, but he was a eighteen seventy nine. I've got your book in front. Oh, eighteen seventy nine. You. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't have my book. Um, so yeah. Um, so he uh, was sort of a Renaissance-type figure. He was a photographer and an inventor and um, kind of a character. But um, 
uh, Leland Stanford um, out here in California, a, a wealthy man, and uh, there's some sort of bet about whether uh, all four hooves uh, of a horse are off the ground at the same time. And the human eye could not see this when you watched a horse, you know, running around a track. Uh, so um, Stanford hired Edward Moybridge to um, find out the answer. So he set up a series of still uh, still cameras along a racetrack and had them um, set up like a tripwire so as the horse ran, each camera uh, was set off and he got a series of pictures of the horse running in, in one picture. All four of those were off the ground. So there was the proof that, yes, all four of those were off the ground at one time um, as the horse runs. And that was... I think one of the first examples of series motion photography, kind of in my mind, it's like the first movie, because you can put it in a flip book and flip it, and there you go, there's a, there's a movie. So one of the things I use for marketing um, my book is I've ordered a bunch of these little flip books. There's a company that makes um, flip books of the Moybridge horses running. Um, I think they also do one of North by Northwest. They have one of the 1933 King Kong. I think they're just on Amazon. But uh, So I've worked directly with that printer, ordered a whole bunch of those, and I put the Movie by Magic sticker on the back, and that's kind of what I hand out to people to promote the book, and people just love it. And it, it shows them, you know, persistence of vision. And this, this is really how movies work. And it's the most simple, non-electronic, non-digital uh, example. So I love handing those out. It's a nice companion to the book, actually. Oh, it is. It is. And what a wonderful idea. I mean, it just it's a great idea. I'm sure the kids absolutely love it when they're flipping through and can actually see uh, the movement. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun. great visual for them. Very fun. Yeah. So, what, so how did you choose uh, what stories and things that you were going to put into this book? Because there, you know, there's obviously a lot, uh, a history mm-hmm. about movies. And uh, you do, you, you, you sequentially, uh, you know, mm-hmm. tell the story of the beginning of filmmaking, which I find fascinating. As an adult, I thought this book was very interesting. Uh, and I'm sure that's <laughs> the response you've gotten, because it is not just for children. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful depth uh, to the stories that you've chosen to do. Have you, you know, so what made you choose uh, the stories that you chose? And then also, um, the second part of the question is, um, how have adults responded to this book? Um, yeah, and if you don't mind, I'll answer the second question first. Just okay. because, um, I've been hearing from a lot of adults that say, I've learned so much about movies, and you know, who cares that it's for kids? It's really a great little intro if you're not familiar with the history of movies, and I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, I want, I want to see this movie now that I've read your book. And when you flip through the book, you'll see that I make recommendations on, um, uh, like a, a recommendation of a classic movie to see based on what I'm talking about on a particular spread. Um, and so, uh, like I said, the book was about twice as long when I first started, and I had to tear it down. I was really trying to show... Um, some representative examples. I wanted to make sure I showed the diversity that was in film. There wasn't a lot of diversity, but there was some even back in the beginning, uh, like with women film directors, and there's a documentary about Native Americans that live in Alaska, and they had a lot of that stuff that I actually pulled out and saving for another book um, because it was just it was getting kind of too much for 
for a child, maybe to digest. And um, like I said, I wanted to stick with my goal of wanting to get them excited about movies. Um, so I tried to, tried to um, keep that history in there and how films came to be um, the first movies in the 1800s and the early 1900s, those first, um, like the Lumiere brothers. I had to make sure I got them in there. Um, the um, uh, Georges Méliès, um, he did the trip to the moon in 1902. You can just go on YouTube and watch that 15 minute or so um, classic film. It's just amazing. Um, and so, I want, of course, I had to put those in there. And then I tried to just take some representative films of the decades up through 1939 and make sure I kind of touched on that. You know, I made sure I got Fred Astaire in there and the, you know the dancing. That's something that my uh, five-year-old is very attracted to: is the tap dancing and the singing and dancing of those old films. So that's one great way to introduce kids to movies. And um, I'm going to turn down the volume here. Sorry. Um, so um, that's. Really what my goal was was just to kind of show a representation of, you know, maybe a great film from the 1910s, a great film from the 1920s, um, one from the 30s, and then a couple from the 30s. And um, I did leave out my personal favorite genre of film, which is pre-code movies. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) um, Any of your listeners who like pre-code movies will know why I left that out of my children's book. Yes, that's a good um, idea. (laughs) So yeah, you won't see pre-code movies, but I love them. So um, I yeah, do too. so I tried I to too. just um, get some of those things in there, and I tried to pick things that I thought would appeal to kids. Uh, I really wanted King Kong in there, but there was a copyright issue, and we couldn't couldn't keep the night. We had a really cute uh, illustration of the 1933 King Kong with him up on the Empire, Empire State Building, and then we had Lesk and my little one in a little plane flying by King Kong's head. It was super cute, but. We had to pull that one out because I didn't. I had the copyright permission for that, so that had a lot to do with some of the decisions um, on some of the things I pulled out too. Um, we had to make sure the Wizard of Oz uh, illustration was reflective of the actual book, The Wizard of Oz, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not um, quite an exact uh, representation of the MGM film. So you won't see the red ruby slippers <laughs> in my book because they have the copyright to that. So, um, so some of the decisions were that kind of legal um, consideration. Um, and then it was really just trying to tear it down to, like, the most powerful images and stories that that would get kids excited and curious about wanting to see films. And, you know, the other part of your question about um, adults is, you know, hopefully it gets adults excited, too. I have a lot of friends who have no interest in classic movies, so that's one of the reasons I love going to the TCM Classic Film Festival is, we call it, we have a hashtag a lot of us use that go to the festival, My Tribe, uh, because that's kind of there with our people, yes. all the people who get it <laughs> and love yeah. those old movies. But, you know, it's not always easy to find people that, that love them, and so I just hope to spread the love. And one of my um, movies, this is sort of off topic of the book because this movie's not in my book, um, but one of my movies I do show my friends to get them to be interested in classic movies is from Like It Hot with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yes, yes. Wonderful. They say, oh, I don't, like, I don't like black and white movies, and they're boring. I'm like, well, let's give the first 10 minutes of Some Like It Hot is a little dry. <laughs> but once they get to, once they get to uh, the beach, it's just, you know, madcap hilarity from 
there till the end. And a lot of people like it hooked that way. Yeah, still one of my favorites. And, of course, I, I absolutely adore Marilyn Monroe. Who doesn't? I think we all did. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Jam Price Show all about movies. And my guest today is author Jennifer Churchill. And we're talking about her brand new book, Movies Are Magic for Children and Adults, too. Uh, so I want to go back because you were talking about copyright. I didn't even think about that when I was going through this book. So you had to go through a whole process with the copyright of some of these mm-hmm. movies. So tell us a little bit. That's got to be daunting, I would think. <laughs> It was, and, and I, you know, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, Turner Classic Movies' involvement in the book, the segue into that yes, topic, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I also yeah, want so, to talk about Ben Mankiewicz, too, so we'll go, go ahead. Of course, yes. let's talk about Ben. Um, so, yeah, so Turner Classic Movies um, did not publish the book, but they were going to. <laughs> um, and they've been super supportive and wonderful. All the executive team at PCM, Jennifer Dorian, and... Um, Everyone who works there has just been amazing, and uh, they they contracted with a publishing company, Running Personal Books, who actually publishes any book under the TCM imprint. And so uh, we had lots of meetings. They were they were going to publish it, um, but they couldn't quite figure out what to do with the children's book um, on the running press end, and it's ultimately their decision. So. Uh, it was like super close to happening um, when they said, we're just not quite sure what to do with the kids' book. <laughs> I think I think they were wrong because it's been very successful and um, we're still talking. They may possibly publish uh, one in the future. but um, So it doesn't have the TCM uh, logo on it, but they sell it on their website. They sold it in the gift shop at the film festival. They tweet about it on their TCM Twitter account. They're they're wonderful, super supportive, um, and they also connected me with Ben Mankiewicz, who wrote the introduction um, to the book, which was fabulous and has yes. really helped get attention for the book as well. And his intro is super touching. Um, so, the, so the copyright stuff was going to be handled by the uh, book publisher, but I had to take that on <laughs> when that part um, didn't happen. Uh, so I did get a copyright um, lawyer, and we sat down and went through the book, and he just sort of flagged things for me, and we did some research and. Um, you know, any any movie that was in the public domain, we weren't worried about um, things that may have been remade recently. Like, I, I did have the um, a very obvious missing um, thing in this book would be our gang, uh, you know, the, the kids, yes. um, the Little Rascals. Right, right, and so we, right. we, they were in there, but because they've made a recent Little Rascals film not that long ago, that one was a little dicey. So we kind of just went through and pulled things that we didn't want to be a problem and, um I actually wrote um, some first opening spread is uh, an image of Charlie Chaplin standing on Sunset Boulevard with a photo play magazine in his hand and uh, an iPhone in the other hand, kind of showing the future and the <laughs> future and the past together. Um, and so I was really worried about Charlie Chaplin being represented because I know they managed his likeness pretty pretty tightly. And uh, my lawyer said, mm, you know, you might want to take Charlie Chaplin out. You definitely should get permission. And it's probably going to cost a lot of money to get the rights for that. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take a chance. I wrote a letter to the Charlie Chaplin people in, in England um, that managed his likeness in his estate. And they wrote me back. They said this is such a wonderful idea to try and get kids excited about classic movies. No charge. Feel free to use his likeness. We love it. Oh. Just send us a copy of the book. Great. <laughs> so, I know. So there's always, all along throughout the whole process, there's been amazing little moments like that where people just go, oh my God, what a wonderful idea to get kids excited about movies. And 
pretty much everyone I've interacted with has just been super supportive and gone out of their way to help get the word out and and like you Jan you know when we first met at the film festival you were like what a wonderful idea (laughs) so I mean it's just so awesome to hear other people um see how important it is and you know TCM sees the importance of uh, you know audience development and having a future audience for these movies you know because a lot of a lot of a lot of us are getting older and um, we want to make sure that these movies stay relevant and that there's an audience of people who still want to see them exactly exactly you know and somebody else who's not in this book that I realized and you probably had some issues with is Shirley Temple yes we had we had a Shirley Temple page that (laughs) we didn't take out (laughs) problems <laughs> I'm sorry, problems with the copyright again or Yeah. Yeah. We just no you know, no one said anything but when we looked into it we realized it would have been complicated. So. Decided not okay, to do that. Just, well, we won't go there. Yeah, maybe in the future. Yeah, try different things. And and I do love the fact that you included the Nicholas brothers. Um, Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they were just absolutely amazing. And I would think if Weston likes singing and dancing, is he, I mean, obviously we have Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers who were the epitome, but the Nicholas brothers were the other, you know, I mean, just amazing for two, you know, the men dancing together rather than a woman and a man (laughs) dancing. So how does Weston feel about the, the Nicholas Brothers. Oh, he, he knows who they are. We we watched the snippet of, you know, we call it the most incredible dance sequence of all time, and a lot of people believe that, and I, I think it may be um, from the movie Stormy Weather, mm-hmm. with just the two of them, with Cad Calloway kicking it off, and then those two just dancing their hearts out and jumping up in the air and landing in the splits and then coming back up out of the splits Amazing. with no effort, or it looks like no effort, and you just... I will show that snippet to people who say they don't like old movies, too. And usually, a lot of times, you have to, like, pull their jaw off the floor. <laughs> it's like, wow, I've never heard of these guys. And, you know, they're just amazed. They are. So I definitely wanted to make sure they were in in the book. Definitely. And, you know, I think that's the thing. There are, when you look back at these older movies and you see, first of all, when you think about how far technology has come in our era and you go back, you know, 80, you know, or more years, 80, 90 years and realize mm-hmm. what they were able to do with not any of the technology we have today. I mean, it just blows you away. Um, I'm always in awe. I'm an awestruck when I see some of the movies uh, from that era, from the 20s and 30s and 40s, definitely. But particularly the 20s and 30s, I think those are my favorite. I also have to ask you, though, you've got a girl crush on Jean Harlow. How did that start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I always kind of it's going to sound bad, but I didn't fully appreciate Jean Harlow. I sort of um, viewed her through the, the lens of how she has been portrayed as just like a blonde bombshell bimbo, and um, I didn't give her her full her full credit. And I, I was watching um, Dinner at Eight, you know, a couple of years ago, and it just struck me. I'm like, she, you know, there's all these incredible actors and actresses in that movie, you yes. know, with the, um, John Barrymore and. You know, they're stellar cast, amazing. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and I'm like, you know, Jean Harlow is what makes this movie. Yes, and her, her, and then and then when I learned more about her and started reading about her, she she was not that kind of person, which shows her acting was even more incredible. Mm-hmm. She was her her comedic timing, her the way she carried herself. She was just a natural on camera and just brilliant and. 
I just, I love her. And um, I saw, I think it was a pre-code movie, Red-Headed Woman. Yes. That they showed at um, TCM at the film festival. And she's just amazing. And then I also saw, I think it was last year, the year before they screened Wife versus Secretary. Oh, I love this, that. Um, love oh, my gosh. And she, she doesn't play the bimbo at all. She plays a very serious, um, respectable part and just to see that range and I just have a new appreciation for her now that I've sort of learned more about her and watched her more carefully and the scene um, so Wallace Beery that plays her husband in Dinner at Eight um, there's a scene where they're fighting and it's just it's brilliant acting brilliant timing on both their parts she's like she's like the old windbag she's yelling at him they're just, they're the most dysfunctional marriage ever <laughs> it's hilarious but her timing is great you just watch her you watch that scene and you watch her like flop on the bed and you know cross her legs with her fuzzy slippers on and just the way she just carries herself she just steals the show she does and it was so sad her, her untimely death at 26 years oh. old unbelievable well heartbreaking yes very heartbreaking and she didn't have to really die, but we won't get into that right now. What I want to no. talk about is where can people get this book, Jennifer? Movies are magic. Where can so, they purchase it? <laughs> uh, well, of course, you can get it on Amazon. Um, just go to Amazon.com and type in Movies are Magic. Um, if it doesn't pop up right away, you might have to say Movies are Magic Kids book, and then it pops up. Um, and it's also on the Turner Classic Movies website. If you go to TCM.com and click on Shop on the top right, um, they have it there. They've had to restock it a few times, which is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it's there. And I um, just want to give another shout-out to Ben Winklitz for... Um, writing the introduction. He has a daughter about the same age as my Weston. I think she's a, a year or two older than him. Um, and he doesn't talk about his daughter much, and he does his introductions as the host on Turner Classic Movies. Um, I, think they call, I think it's titled Primetime Host. Um, he's basically the, the main host since Robert Osborne passed away. Um, and you know, he doesn't talk about his daughter very much, but in, if you read the intro to my book... Um, You'll find out a little bit more, yeah. Well, Jennifer, yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Part having, of him you don't see. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Everyone, go look for Movies Are Magic by Jennifer Churchill. It's a great gift, uh, a great gift for grandparents to give to their grandchildren, and of course, a great gift for parents to give to their children, too. You've been listening to The Jam Price Show all about movies. Go to The Jam Price Show on Facebook to learn more about upcoming shows. And while you're there, please like my page and write a comment. And to listen to the Price Movie Minute movie reviews and to listen to archive shows that you may have missed, go to thejampriceshow.com and also check out The Jam Price Show all about movies on iHeart's podcast channel. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio, Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. The Ozio Theater in downtown Monterey is now open every day, showing independent and foreign films. The Ozio Theater has new concession offerings, including beer, wine, hard cider, and their homemade Lush Slush. You can now schedule private event screenings for community charity events, birthdays, anniversaries, or just a fun gathering of friends. For more information, visit the Ozio Theater online at oziotheater.com. 